Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Heart and Hustle. Visionary healers, movers, and shakers. I am Paulette Rees-Denis. I am your hostess, your movement motivator, and your passion instigator. Ooh, and I just love these conversations I get to have with people from all over the world who are making change, who are creating magic, who are changing other people's lives, as well as living the lives of their own dreams. That's really important. And I love to share that with all of you for inspiration, for tidbits, for tools, for connections, for networking, because I am the hostess and I love bringing everybody together. <laughs> so today I get to bring you Terry Kozlowski. Did I say it right? You did. All right. <laughs> we were just practicing. Um, and she's in Georgia. And Terry, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much. I really enjoy being here with Heart and Hustle and you too today, Paulette. Awesome. So, so we have very similar paths, which I think is amazing. We're both authors and you can see Terry's book right behind her, which she's going to tell us a little bit about. We're both life coaches and um, I'd love to know a little bit more about your, your take on coaching and what's your niche and what's your specialty. My specialty is overcoming fear and limiting beliefs, mainly by reframing the stories we tell ourselves. Most of our lives have some sort of uh, angst or for me, childhood trauma that causes us to tell ourselves certain things over and over and over again, or we get tapes from other people, specifically for me, it was my mother, her voice telling me certain things over and over and over again um, that played in, in my head. And I was the reason it was playing in my head. And it was an epiphany to me when I realized, hey, I can turn off that tape player <laughs> right. and not play it anymore. <laughs> but we don't realize that we can do that a lot of the times because we're going through and we're, we're in our suffering, we're in our pain. And we, when we start the healing process is when we realize that there are certain things that we can do and change, simple things with for ourselves, within ourselves, that ultimately have these gigantic and life-changing, um, complete turnarounds for us and for us to be able to live our dreams. Sweet, sweet. And how long have you been doing the work? My personal work I've been doing since I was 11. <laughs> that's when my trauma started. And oh. when, when you have trauma, figuring out how to overcome, figuring out how to change, mm -hmm. figuring out how to no longer suffer, is a process because all any type of change for us is a process but when you are a child and you don't understand what happened you don't have the language to express yourself it's even more traumatic because there is no way to get that out and it took me 10 years before i actually completely understood what happened to me and that effect it had on my life and then it took me another 20 years to walk through the healing process yeah, you know, without without someone to support us or help us uh, get the skills, right, or the tools to get through that stuff, we bury it, right? And I did a good job at burying it. And my mother was the instigator of my trauma and for the most part caused a majority of the trauma that occurred to me. So there was that whole other side if my mother didn't love me, if my mother couldn't take care of me, oh. who in the world would? So you have all that other angst 
about your self-confidence and whether or not you are worthy that plays into then the fact that I was sexually abused and I was physically abandoned. So there were many layers to the trauma. And when I came out on the other side, part of understanding how we tell our stories, how we identify with our stories. And the reality is my story isn't who I am. And when we realize that that is a part of who I now am, it caused lots of things to make me who I am. But my authentic self came to this planet really knowing who she was, was a very confident child, and I lost who I was. And in the rediscovering through the healing process who I authentically am is when we realize that the little girl that I was prior still exists. She just got buried. Yeah. Beautiful. So what was the trigger for you? What, what made you realize that you could turn it around and heal? Did you have a coach? Did you, what, what made you realize that? Oh man. So I spent from the time I was 11 until I was 18 in therapy Uh and I was in therapy in the early eighties and they did not quite know what to do with me because During the early 80s, child sexual abuse wasn't something that was talked about. It wasn't something that people really thought was happening. So I did not get a lot of really good care during that period of time. However, when I was in college, I had a friend I was having lunch with tell me that I got something out of being a victim. Now, I was very vocal about I had drama. I may not tell you exactly what it is, but I would let you know that something bad happened to me because I had certain triggers. And if you and I were friendly and you came up behind me unannounced and tapped me on the shoulder, I'd come around swinging. So I didn't want to hurt you. So I would let you know. know, Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) Just holler my name. I'll turn around. So when, so I'm, I was vocal enough to tell people that. And when he said this to me, I got very angry. But it also something triggered in me and it sat with me for a long time. And I realized, okay, there's something here. What is it that I'm supposed to figure out? What am I supposed to learn by what he said? And what I realized was I was getting something out of playing the victim. When you are a victim, people, their expectations of you are different. Uh Especially if you are a victim who is still going through, who's still suffering a great deal and has really clear triggers and people are aware of that. So they're gentle with you. They are, are very caring and they watch what they say and, and all of that. So, mm-hmm. and more importantly for me, they left me alone. And I wanted to be left alone. I wanted to wallow in my all on my own right, stuff, right. in my right. own juices. I wanted to do that. So when this occurred, I had the, the first major mind shift. And that was from, I went from being a victim to becoming a survivor. And two things happened. Number one, I now became responsible for my life. Because up until that point, I could blame everything that I was doing, all of my actions, all of the consequences that were happening to me on my trauma. But when I became aware, when I became a survivor, I now had to take responsibility for the choices I made from this day moving forward. And whether they were good choices or bad choices, whatever the fallout was, it was my fault. It was my choice. And when you become responsible for your life, a second thing happens. 
you empower yourself to change. You empower yourself to overcome. You empower yourself to go down that path of healing. And that for me was the first major shift at the age of 18. Beautiful. Wow. Someone was there to say, hey, you, right? Yeah. And I think more and more now, you know, like you said, in the 80s, those things weren't talked about so much. And, and now because there is a, a plethora of help, of coaches, of, of courses, of ways to acknowledge, to write, to live, to embody, whatever, um, those past things and how to shift and how to change your mindset, how to take control of your own life, how to make your own choices. Uh, it, there is a lot more, it's a lot more prevalent, but still people need support. People need help, which is why we do what we do. Exactly. <laughs> and part of that awareness is for me um, in the late eighties, when the Oprah show came out, she came out and told of her story of being abused when she was a child. And that was the first person mm. I ever knew was also abused was when she came out on national television. And so I've been following her all these years because I feel I had this connection. She was like me uh -huh. and she just came out with a book that she co-wrote about her trauma experience and the recovery process. So it's really interesting how through our lives, those connections where, when I say I feel really connected, I feel really connected. And it's because that first person who you realize had a similar experience, that bond is really an, an incredible thing to occur because it's, it's familiarity. It's mm -hmm. somebody knows me. Somebody understands right. me. Right. I am not alone. I'm not alone. Yeah. Wow. And so, so speaking of books, what is that little book right there behind you? <laughs> it's my, it's my memoir, Raven Transcending Fear. And it really is an in-depth story um, of my trauma and how I overcame my fear. Mm -hmm. And the Raven symbolism is I am Native American. Mm -hmm. and um, Athabascan Tinglet Raven Clan. And the Raven is part of the symbolism that I use to help me overcome because the Raven has a lot of negative connotations to it. It shows up at death. But what people don't realize is that imagery is because the Raven is to help the spirit go to the next realm. It's a transcending experience. Ooh. And the other aspect of it, the main story that I grabbed onto when I was much, much younger was that the raven brought the light to humanity. And that for me was the aha moment of, I can change this. I don't have to be this way. When the light was turned on and I became very aware, I always thought I was an aware child. And I think that's why for me, that first major mind shift occurred when I was 18. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't aware at the age of 18. And for me, I think that I always was aware as a young child. And when you look at pictures of me, people describe, my dad said that I was three going on 30. He said, I was just, I always knew exactly what I wanted. And he said, when we came back from um, New Mexico, which is where the trauma occurred, he said he didn't know who I was because who I left, the person that I, that 
left him to go on that trip didn't ever come back. Mm. And he said he knew something was wrong, but he was afraid to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, here's a question. Um, Have you always identified with your Native American um, blood? I would say yes. And interestingly enough, my mother was had a different reaction to it. So my mother um, was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And when she was 16, uh, she was born in Fort Yukon, Alaska, which is a, at the time was a sustenance living environment. Um, she didn't have running water. She didn't have electricity. And at the age of 16, she and her two sisters were given up for adoption. Wow. They were 18 children and she had 18 siblings and oh my God. the three oldest girls were given up for adoption. They were adopted by a white family uh, missionaries and moved to Olympia, Washington. And literally my mother went from one day having no idea what an airplane was to being on an airplane. And that night watching, flushing the toilet, watching water go down and turning on the light switch on and off and on and off. She had no concept. And then this new family who wanted to bless her with all the wonderful things they had to offer, basically for her, ripped away her identity. Mm. So she wasn't allowed to wear her Native American clothes. She was given all new stuff. She wasn't allowed to keep any of her trinkets. All that was given up. She had to... there is a, a tinglet language that she was no longer allowed to speak. She had to speak English. So all of that was taken away from her. So who she was, was ripped away. And then she was put in an environment that she didn't know. And she didn't trust these people. So I completely understand why my mother became what she became. Mm-hmm. But that didn't give her the right to harm me in the process. Yeah. And that's, that's where, um, so when I was eight, It was a very significant, I came home from school and I was crying because the kids at school were picking on me because I had slanted eyes. So they were calling me a chinka girl and I wasn't necessarily upset. I have slanted eyes. I was upset that they weren't listening to me, that I was Native American, that I wasn't Oriental. And my mother's reaction was over the top. She got very angry and then she got very drunk. (laughs) But what it came down to was she, because she didn't have that identity anymore, she would say things like you're Native American, but she never told me anything more about it. So a lot of the, what I did was after, well, in high school, I started really researching Mm -hmm. where I came from. Awesome. Wow. Oh, so many stories so many stories i just find them so uh mesmerizing you know it almost leaves you speechless (laughs) (laughs) wow there's some great great stuff in that um and um so here you are now today and so are you are you full-blooded i'm half native american my mother was full-blooded and do you um have you adopted any of the ancient, older uh, rituals or language or whatever? I've tried learning the language. It's a it's a very interesting language. It's 
I would say it's guttural, but it really isn't. I, the right word for it is, I just don't know what that word is. Um, German, I lived in Germany when I was uh, very young and German is very guttural and it's slightly similar yeah. to um, what I would, cause it has the, the hard sounds to it, but it doesn't have the K's and, and the Z's in it the way that, um, cause like Tinglet is spelled um, with a Z and it's silent. So you, you have these <laughs> um, strange combinations of letters. What? How do you spell it? T-L-I-N-G-Z-I-T. So it, okay. and um, anyway, over the years, I have become more um, in line with the shamanistic aspect yeah. of the Native American culture with the understanding that we are all connected, not only to each other, but to the earth and trying to make sure that we are in balance with everything and not only in balance with ourselves and balance with our bodies and balance with one another. Nice. I love it. Of course. And, and then your connection back to the crow, to your book, right? To the Raven. Yeah. The Raven. Uh, beautiful. And so what do you do today for yourself? I have a lot of what I call mindfulness practices. Mm -hmm. And for example, every morning I meditate, I do mantras, I write out I am statements, and then I journal three pages every morning. So the first hour of the day <laughs> is Terry time. Nice. Yes. That's what I'm always <laughs> preaching. <laughs> it's, it's part of my self-care and you know, most nights I get seven and a half to eight hours sleep. I make sure that's the other end of the self-care. Um, but as far as me time, I also, I, I write. So I write every week for the blog and then I have a podcast, Soul Solutions. So I am writing for that every week. And then um, I actually paint. Um, so I, I found out that one of the stories that I repeated to myself was that I was not creative mm -hmm. and I had been told by an art teacher that I wasn't very good. And what I realized was the reality is it, I'm not trying to be a Picasso, you know, I'm not trying to be an Andy Warhol. I just like to paint and I should just go ahead and paint. And so I've passed that on to my granddaughter who paints all the time now too. So beautiful. Yay. <laughs> but we're all creative in our own way. Oh, absolutely. And, and part of who we are being our authentic selves is finding that creative outlet. And whether it is through writing or through painting or through however else other my husband carves, or if you play music, there's all kinds of ways to be creative. And it's just tapping into what it is that brings you your joy. Right which is what I'm always preaching, <laughs> always preaching. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, well, beautiful. So what's next for you? Uh, I am continuing my podcast and uh, my writing, and I am uh, hopefully in the next, in the third quarter, we'll be coming out with a, my first online course on personal boundaries because that is what my audience asked for. So I had been looking at coming out with a signature course and the six step process that I went through to transcend my fear. And one of the process, one of the steps in there is setting personal boundaries, but that seemed to be the one my audience had been really requesting. So I'm writing the field guide to 
uh, the practical field guide to setting personal boundaries so that other people's anxieties do not affect you. Nice. So good. Such good work. Thank you. Here's to you doing the work for yourself. And now here's to you doing the work and helping other people through that as well. Thank you. And sharing your gifts. It's gorgeous. I love it. I love it. So all my friends out there, heart and hustle. What do you think? What's your takeaway? I'd love to know what's happening. I'd love to get you connected with Terry. And if personal boundaries are an issue, there you go. She might just be your girl. Um, and her course coming up in the fall or summer, whenever, third quarter is. <laughs> <laughs> I set goals. I have goals each quarter. So that's my third quarter. Writing the course in the second quarter, getting it out in the world in the third quarter. Beautiful. And that's so important too, right? Concrete mm-hmm. goals. Um, we can shift our mindset, but it also helps us to make it concrete and, and uh, live those dreams. Absolutely. Live those dreams. Take those risks. Do something that is different. Do something that warms your heart. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and risks really aren't risks if that's what your heart and soul is telling you to do. The only thing that thinks that, that is a risk is the ego. The yeah. ego is what blocks blocks it because the ego doesn't want things to change. The ego does. The ego wants things to stay exactly the way they are because it's safe. It knows that the way things are, are safe. Moving out of that, moving out of your comfort zone is the expansion of your soul, expansion and growth of who you are. Right. And that is what life is all about. Absolutely. Expansion. Beautiful. Well, Terry, thank you. Thank you for taking time with me, for sharing with all of us out here in Heart and Hustle Land. And um, again, blessings to you. And may you continue to do this beautiful, fine work and everyone out there. Live your dreams, loves. Live them. Do it. Stand up. Shout it. Bam. (laughs) Do what I say. And signing off, I am Paula Reese-Denis. Until we meet again, many, many blessings to all of you.